Hello everybody and welcome to Parashat Kitisa. I'd like to begin with a question that has bothered me for many years. How can Hashem, an infinite being, create a covenant or a berit with human beings? How can the master of the universe possibly need us for anything? According to the ancient Greek understanding of God, that of Aristotle, this is impossible. God, who is by definition omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, has no boundaries and no limitations. He is perfection itself. And to imply that such a being needs anyone or anything is a philosophical impossibility. At certain times within the Torah, yes, God is viewed as this perfect figure. Elohim, the creator of the world, master of the universe, God of all humanity. But this is not the only view of God that we have in the Torah. The God of Israel is bound up in a covenant with His people. He is Yod Ke Vavke, the one who hears our cries, the one who demands justice for the orphan, the widow, and the stranger. And the idea of a berit, a covenant, carries with it the idea that both parties need each other. Both the inferior power and the superior power rely on each other and are bound up in this deal. How can God be both a perfect, infinite being on the one hand and also be reliant upon human beings? How can God be both Hanun Virahum, everlastingly merciful, Karov Lechol Koreav, close to those who call out to Him, and also Kadosh, 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 separate and holy? So we'll return to this question in a few minutes. This week, we read about the greatest sin of Am Yisrael ever committed, the worship of the golden calf, also known as Het HaEgel. For anyone who is following the story from the beginning of the Torah, it's extremely difficult to read about the catastrophe that unfolds in the parasha. Hashem chose Abraham Avinu, after all, because he had faith in him. God says in a soliloquy that I know this man, I know he's going to command, to command his children and his household after him. They're going to do the way of God by doing justice and righteousness. And in this week's parasha, we see just how short we fall from God's lofty expectations of us. God had faith. And we blew it. And then a very strange series of conversations begins to play out between God and Moses. God tells Moshe that he wants to destroy B'nai Israel because they are Am Keshe Arif. They're a stiff-necked nation. He eventually relents from his anger, but decides not to dwell among us again. Ki Am Keshe Arif Atta. Because we're a stiff-necked nation. Eventually, Moshe is able to convince God that he should still dwell amongst B'nai Israel, And when he succeeds in this, Moshe sees a golden opportunity to understand God at an even deeper level. So Moshe asks God to be shown His glory, to understand how it is that God runs the world. And famously, Moshe is told that he can, not only, he can only get a glimpse of God's back, he can never get a glimpse of the face of God. 
lo yirani ha'adam v'chai v'ra'ita at ahorai u'fanai lo yira'u. After this, Moshe learns the 13 attributes of God. Hashem, Hashem, Kelech, Hashem, Hanun, and immediately, as though a light bulb flashes above his head, Moshe says something absolutely bizarre. He says, God, if I have found favor in your eyes, God, please dwell amongst us because there is stiff-necked nation. And you shall forgive us. Why would Moshe ask for forgiveness for the exact same reason that God wanted to destroy Am Yisrael? It makes absolutely no sense. And interestingly enough, the same question arises in Parashat Noah. It says over there, God saw the evil in the land. And he saw that mankind had these evil inclinations in his heart all the time. And that's why he wanted to destroy the, the entire world. And then at the end of Parashat Noah, No longer shall I curse the land on behalf of man. Because mankind's inclinations of his heart are evil from his youth. So again, God wants to destroy on the one hand, but save on the other hand for the exact same reason. So the question stands for both Moshe and for Noah. What changed in between the beginning and the end of the stories? In both cases, there's only one X factor. One element that tips the scales. The leader that God needs. Both Noah and Moshe show God that they will be partners with Him in creating a better world. They are the game changers in the divine equation. In other words, when leadership is thrust upon us, it forces us to rise to the challenge, to ascend to the heights of spiritual clarity and adopt a divine perspective, to join God in His grand mission of bettering the world. And in so doing, we alter the destiny of the world. So let's return to the question we asked earlier. How can God be both a perfect being on the one hand and also be bound up in a covenant with B'nai Yisrael? How can an infinite being ever associate with finite humans? So to answer this question, let's look at a Midrash from Sefer Bereshit. The Midrash asks us, imagine a being who is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. What does such a being lack? The answer is limitation. If you are already everything, everywhere, always, there is nowhere to go and nothing to be. Everything that could be already is. And everything that could happen already has. And it is for this reason, so the story goes, that God created man. No limitation, no story. No story, no being. Paradoxically, Explain the Hachamim. God is perfect not because He doesn't change, but rather because He cultivates our growth. God is infinite because His kindness is infinite. God is perfect because He leaves room for imperfection and loves us because of our flaws. Jordan Peterson discusses this line of thinking in the 12th rule in his beautiful book, 12 Rules for Life. He explains, It is not despite, but because of an individual's limitations that we love him or her. 
He shares his thoughts when his son was just two years of age. Although his son is extremely vulnerable and there's a lot of potential for pain, he would not rather his son be 10 feet tall and made of steel in order to avoid injury. He realizes that what makes his son so lovable and cute are exactly the things that make him susceptible to suffering. So on a grander scale, it may be that God loves humanity, invests in it, and has faith in it, not despite, but because of man's vast limitations, and even man's capacity for great evils. In other words, ki amkeshe orefu, because we are stiff-necked people. Peterson remarked at one point in his book, how we should appreciate that the world in which we live was built by many flawed and imperfect, yet courageous individuals. But it is exactly that which makes them and their accomplishments so great. It is the ability to dare greatly in the face of great difficulty and struggle that truly grants human achievement its greatness. And in our greatness, God's greatness is able to shine brighter than ever. So to wrap up, God's true perfection can only really be unlocked by human beings. When we rise to the challenge, when we join God in covenant, when, like Avraham Avinu, we teach our children the ways of Hashem, when, like Noah and Moshe, we show Hashem that He has a partner in this world, that's when the impossible happens. That's when the infinite encounters the finite. And that is true perfection. Thank you very much and Shavuot Tov.